Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is eight to 10 years old. Now, these episodes were intended to be evergreen, and I still believe there's a lot of good information in these early episodes, but I do want to let you know that some of my ideas have evolved over time. Times have changed since we made these episodes, and ultimately, I'd like to think I've grown a lot as an artist and a human and that these don't necessarily represent my best work or the best of the podcast. If you're new around here, I suggest starting with the most recent episode or at least go back to around 300 and move forward from there. Enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, it's me, Andy J. Miller, and this is the Creative Pep Talk Podcast, where we talk about making money and making great art. Uh, That's what it's all about. Before we jump in, I'd like to thank Illustration Age. Illustration Age is the proud syndicate of the podcast. You can find this show at illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. All right, let's get on with the show. Let me ask you a question. Does this sound familiar? I would like to just survive off of my art. That's That would be great. If I could just survive off of making art, if I could just make art for a living, just the bare minimum, that would be fine for me. Does that sound familiar? It sounds very familiar to me. I said it when I first started out, and I've seen others say it. But the problem is, is that it's not a very compelling story. It's not a very compelling vision. It's not very exciting. It's not very large. It's not a, it's not a big dream. It's a small, it's small and it doesn't get you out of bed in the morning. That's the first problem with this idea of just trying to eke out a living on your art and thinking that's going to be enough. Not to mention that just surviving, just sitting on the brink of survival is incredibly stressful because three degrees left of survival is not surviving. And if you've ever struggled with money, if you've ever struggled with survival, you know that is not a place that you want to be. Now, one of the things that I've found to be true, and I know others have found to be true, is the same effort it takes to try to survive can be pushed towards thriving and the, the amount of effort dis- difference is actually not that much. It's not that much harder to thrive than to survive. That breaking point is the hardest point, just, just getting the ball rolling. And so today, I want to talk about the creative hero's journey. And the idea is that thriving as an artist is a very difficult task Now, I think it's a worthy task, and we're going to talk a little bit about that later, but I really believe that thriving as an artist is a real challenge, 
And I believe that it's a challenge worth pursuing. But I think that sometimes we shoot for survival because we think it's going to be easy. But what I want to say is thriving isn't that much harder than survival because surviving is actually pretty difficult in the first place. And so I want to just elevate our vision. I want to expand it a little bit. And I want to talk about how to think about this task as a larger thing, but do so in such a way that it's compelling to you, that it's exciting, that it's motivating. Not thinking of it as a larger challenge, therefore something to cry in your pillow at night about, but something to pump you up, get you excited, and get you get your head down making great stuff and, and in it for the long haul. And that's what we're going to talk about today. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, AnnieJPizza.com if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. You know, with... Healthcare, the way it is, and taxes. You know, you get a double tax for being self employed. You get, um, you know, you have to pay extra, quite a bit extra on your healthcare if you're going it alone. There are so many ways that being self employed, being a freelancer, is an uphill climb. Honestly, I kid you not. You know, when I first started out, I had this number in my mind, uh, a salary that I thought if I could just make that much a year, then I'd be fine. I would survive. And the truth is I'm making two or three times that amount right now. And we still have financial challenges, right? Like things that will hit us that shake things a bit. And obviously we're still young. We're still getting our groove on, right? But it's still a challenge. And, and I don't say that 
to scare you. I know that I had people in my life telling me the same thing, like, I think you should expand your vision. And I thought, I can barely deal with the vision that I've got, this small number, this small vision. But the truth is, there are ways of looking at a challenge that either make you shrink or make you rise to the occasion that get you excited. And today, I want to talk about it in such a way that you get a taste of the gravity of this difficult situation, but talk about it in such a way that it's exciting and that it's moving and that it's motivating, not something that will make you crumble under the pressure. And so I hope, I hope that this is an inspiring episode of the podcast. Okay, let's get on to my five-point plan to ultimate domination in the arts. Just kidding. I'm just... That's not what I'm talking about at all. Let's get on to some of the plan today. So number one is clarity on the call. So it's not just about saying yes to the call. It's about getting hyper clarity on what am I trying to do? Why am I trying to do it? How am I going to go about doing it? Really getting clear on what is my mission? What is the thing that I am shooting for? And I'm not talking about something that you're shooting for in the next six months. I'm talking about a career, a a direction that is worth giving your life to in the long run, a bigger picture. Now, that can change over time, but I think the power of having some real clarity is worth getting it wrong. You know, if you if you get all the clarity in the world and you change uh, the path in three years, that's totally fine because you've invested significantly in one direction and that's so much more powerful than flailing about from day to day. So I'm probably doing this episode because I recently watched the new Star Wars and I'm not going to give away anything, but I absolutely loved it. It was such a good time. I really, really enjoyed it. And Luke Skywalker, the whole big narrative is the hero's journey. It's the hero's story popularized by Joseph Campbell in the book, The Hero of a Thousand Faces. But it's the, you know, it's the Christ-like figure. It's the Buddha. It's, it's the, the hero's journey. And that's where I'm getting the inspiration for today because, you know, if you look into psychology, people like Carl Jung, scholars like that, you know, they believe that these archetypes and these ideas were actually deeply held within our subconscious. And that's part of the reason we respond so strongly to these stories. And I think for me, embracing this journey, embracing this idea has actually massively inspired me to stick at it, to be motivated, to see all the components for what they are and not be crushed by all the, the hard parts of making something really significant. And so how do you get clarity on the call? We talked a lot about this on the Pencil in the Stone episode, but Basically, I believe that you can really get some clarity of the overall direction of your life, the overall challenge, the path that you should 
say yes to by really embracing both the logical side of business and the magical side of art and finding some point in between there, you know, letting the external clues and the internal clues kind of meet up and, and head towards that because I really think that if, you're, if your goal is to be a commercial artist, you can't ignore either side. And so for me, that looks like finding a balance between things that you're really good at, your skills, and the things that mean a lot to you, your passions. I think it's important to find a place between both of those things. You can't ignore either. I think it's really important to, to look out at the economic demand, go look out into the commercial art world and say, Okay, these five areas, there's actually money there. You know, and ignoring this is detrimental. I've seen too many people do it. Invest significantly in a direction where there is no money and really find themselves stuck. You know, you can't ignore that stuff. But you got to balance that external demand in the market with an internal impulse or an internal calling. Now, if you're a logic folk and you don't like the idea of a divine destiny placed within your heart from the heavens, if you're not down with that, then see this internal calling as your subconscious who has worked through so much of the problems nudging you into a specific place that they've already figured out this is kind of where you need to go. Now, if you're on the magic side of the spectrum and that's what you you like your life to be epic in a giant journey where you're deeply connected as the chosen one, (laughs) if that's you, I think you can come to terms with the fact that you have to adhere to the market demand because that doesn't sound very, you know, magical. I think you have to come to terms with that saying, if you believe that you are here for a reason, you're set on this path at this time and place, you can see those external factors as clues in the story of why you're here and what you're supposed to be about. Just like you have internal clues of a gut feeling of what your calling is. And so I think it's important to embrace whatever mindset will serve you, either the logical one or the magical one, whichever, whatever helps you to embrace both sides, I think is really important. And when you start asking yourself these questions, you know, go on a retreat, take a moment out to think about what is the balance between my skills and passions, the economic demand and my internal calling. And, and find a path worth giving your life to in creativity. Number two is find a mentor. We talk about it almost every episode. And I think really you need to find several mentors for the different parts of your life. Now, I just want to clarify, when I say mentor, I don't mean Obi-Wan Kenobi, although I would have taken him as a mentor any day. I'm talking about a friend Someone who you really connect with as a friend that also knows more about the journey that you're on than you do. Someone that's several steps ahead, a few miles ahead even, that can give you some pointers, give you some encouragement, um, and just be there for you. Now, in my career, almost nothing has been as valuable as this. And, And I've had some of my best mentors ever in the past couple years, and it's been a game changer. I kid you not. And I think that one of the reasons why a lot of us don't like the idea of a mentor is that they're really difficult to find, right? And so the main point of what I want to talk about 
right now is this idea of when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? So, so, okay, that sounds really magical, Andy. All right, so let me just balance that out. When you get a real clarity on the call, for some reason, that seems to be when the mentor appears, right? So if you have no idea where you're going, you don't even know what type of mentor you need. Now, if you want to look at it all magic-like and say, hey, man, I'm on the creative journey and I'm, I'm on this epic journey and I need the heavens to send me my mentor, that's totally fine. I get down with that. I can totally uh, jive with all that action. Now, <laughs> but if you're not... If you don't like the idea of that, think about it like this. You know, I heard uh, the the author of Dilbert, the cartoon, on the Tim Ferriss podcast, and he said that, you know, when you're in a crowd of complete chaotic noise and you can't make out anything, if someone says your name, you'll be able to make it out. Why? Because your subconscious has some kind of Google alert out there in the world that says, when someone says this name, pay attention. And so... Just in that same way, when you get real clear on your goals and on your mission and on your calling, when you start seeing things that might relate to that, your subconscious will pique your interest. And so some of those people that you've already been around all of a sudden will start being interesting to you as a mentor. And so I think you really have to do them in order. Get really, really clear on where you're trying to go and then put your head up and look around and try to identify those people that really understand this next step, that understand the next couple years, right? And not only are they incredibly valuable to you, you can be a lot of value to them. Like you can serve a real purpose to them. There's a lot you can bring to the table and a mentor relationship should be a give and take. And and please don't label it a mentor relationship. Don't tell them that. I think that makes it weird and awkward. But for the purposes of the podcast, that's the best word to use to describe this situation. Now, usually part of the reason this relationship evolves is that the mentor will see the spark in the mentee, you know, something that says this person has what it takes. And there's something about that that maybe to me is the most valuable to have someone further along the path that has actually made some traction and they look at you and they see something in you that sa- that's exciting that says you're going to be able to do this. And to me, nothing is more important than that. Like I need external factors saying, Andy, you're the one. You're going to make it. I need something like that to keep me going, to keep me motivated and keep my head down. And to me, there's nothing more valuable than that. Number three is conflict. My least favorite number on this chart. I hate conflict. I hate roadblocks. I hate suffering. I hate all of that stuff. You know, I'm not naturally good at dealing with that, but I will tell you one little secret that's helped me a lot and it and it legitimately has helped me. There's an author called Donald Miller. He wrote a book called, uh, I think it's called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And it's this idea of relating your life uh, back to a story and thinking about it in terms of what makes a good story and trying to live a good story. And actually, this was a phenomenal book for me. It really had an impact on me. 
And the biggest way it did was the way that it helped me see conflict. And I think we're currently in this zone where if we have a conflict, if we go about onto this road and we start hitting roadblocks, we think, instead of thinking, oh, that's totally what, you know, worthwhile things have big roadblocks. Instead of thinking that, we think, oh, we must be on the wrong path because this thing's not working, so I better turn around. But the truth is, all worthwhile castles have moats built around them. Anything worth achieving has all kinds of man-made and natural moats dug around it to keep people out so that not everyone gets in there and ruins it. You know, these people in our world are the art directors, the art buyers, right? The gallery owners, the people that keep people out. And if your mission is worthwhile, if it's worth really giving your creative journey over to, it will have big conflicts. And one of the things that he says in this book is that if you went to see a movie and there was no conflict and the hero got what they want instantly without really trying at all, it would be terrible. It would be an absolute terrible movie. And if you think about the things in your life that you've that you've uh, achieved without much effort, the victory is really not very sweet. It's very cheap. And I've found that when I achieve something through suffering, through painstaking, you know, motivation and, and, and hard work, when I get the victory of that, the, it is really, truly sweet and worthwhile. And I've, and I've found that even in the conflict now, that there's a part, there's a sick part of my subconscious that says, this is going to make the payoff taste so much sweeter. I kid you not, I have that sick side of me now. I, don't, I can't even believe it myself. But when you hit these conflicts, instead of thinking, oh, I better turn around, it's not the right direction, thinking, this is a good sign. This means I'm on a path that matters. I'm on a real challenging path that's going to make the victory sweeter, that's going to make this journey legitimate. All right, if this uh, journey was plotted on a graph from logic to magic, this number would be the most magical one, and it's the one I have the least understanding of or explanation of, but I want to throw it in here because it's been completely true for me in so many different ways. So number four is letting go of the outcome. I was recently listening to the off-camera podcast uh, it's really good. It's interviews with Hollywood stars, but they're really candid and, and fantastic. Um, the kind of stuff that you usually don't hear with these chaps. And uh, there's a really good one with John Krasinski, the, you know, Jim from The Office. And he talks about getting on The Office and what that looked like. And he said that after college, he told his parents that he was going to try out acting for three years, and if nothing really came of it, he was going to turn around. And um, he got on a pilot, you know, about three years in, and uh, that crashed and burned. And so he said, you know what, I, I gave it the three years, I'm going to give up, and you know, I'm going to move on, because just nothing has come from this. And his mom said, just give it a few more weeks. Just give it a few more weeks. And it was in those couple weeks that he landed his uh, gig on The Office. 
And so for me, I have had the same experience that often right as you're letting go, if you look at Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, he talks about digging and and stopping three feet before gold. It's a story about this gold miner who got his calculations wrong and pours all of this time and money into digging and ends up quitting three feet from gold, three feet from the treasure. And someone else comes along, digs a few feet, and is insanely rich. And so I don't really know what this is about, to be honest. You know, if you look back into the Bible, you can see where Abraham was given this promise of creating this great nation through his offspring, and they couldn't even have babies. And so then they have a baby, and then he's asked to sacrifice the baby, right? That's a very sick story. It's very weird, actually. But in that sacrifice, before he does it, he stopped as he lets go of the outcome. Uh, he's, that's when it starts to get interesting, and, and I don't really know why. I do know, though, this, that the art that I make that I am trying to position or posture or get something out of if I'm really, really connected and focused to the outcome, like what I'm trying to do with the art, I rarely make the best art. But when I embrace the journey of the art, when I when I embrace the actual making of it, and I just try to have a good time while I'm making it, I might have a purpose for it, but I try to really just disconnect from what I'm trying to achieve. Like if I'm writing a story, instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to get this published, I'm going to make X amount of dollars, instead of thinking that, if I'm thinking that while I'm writing, the writing is just a byproduct of all that, and it's just a side note, right? And and you're not really putting your heart into it. But if you stop and you say, I'm going to have a blast writing this regardless of how it turns out, that's when it starts to get fun and interesting. And I mean, we got into this because we enjoyed making art. And if you let the business side take over, if you let the outcome take over and the end game, you really miss all the fruit of the journey along the way. And so there's part of it that says, even if the outcome of this whole thing, even if you spend five years going this direction, enjoy each part because even if the outcome doesn't end the way you wanted it to, it will not be for nothing if you enjoyed the whole path. And it also won't be for nothing because if you invest significantly into one direction, on the other side, even if it doesn't turn out the way that you hoped, really awesome things can come from that that you never would have expected. And that's part of the reason you can have the faith to keep pushing in one direction, even if it doesn't work out. So there's a podcast called The School of Greatness, and one of the things they talk about on there is believing. Like if you talk to the top performers of any field, you will find that one of the core commonalities is that they believe that they're going to succeed. Now, some people believe because they, you know, like Muhammad Ali, thinks they're the greatest. They believe that they're the greatest. Then you got other folks that believe that they're destined, that some divine power is willing them towards the future. But you will find that between the people that succeed, there's a real core belief in what they're doing. If, you're, if they're achieving anything really significant and they're doing so with success and they're doing so 
uh, on a regular basis, you know, a proven basis with a real craft to it, believing that you can do it is, is a game changer. And so number five is believing. Now, when I look back and I have watched these hero stories, these, you know, chosen ones, I'm, I've always used to be really, really jealous of Neo and Harry Potter and thought, Man, you've got it so easy. You've got a prophecy that says you're going to do it. You've got all these people around you constantly saying, you're the one. It's going to be fine. You're going to do it. I'm like, man, I wish I had that going on for me. But if you look at the story, the real make or break thing, the thing that the whole story is about is whether they believe it themselves, is that the real challenge isn't listening to all the people outside of yourself. It's actually believing it yourself. And I think, honestly, even if you don't want to get weird on it, let's talk about it like this. Your brain is maybe the most powerful tool in the universe. Seriously, it's phenomenal. Scientists know more about space than they know about the thing in between your two ears. Like, honestly, it is a powerful, powerful tool. You are infinitely more capable than you think. Seriously. I mean, the things that I feel like I've learned in the past five years, if I would have been able to show myself five years ago, I can do all of these things, I have some mastery over these things, my mind would have been blown. I wouldn't have believed it. And I spent so much time worrying about whether I was cut out for a commercial career, commercial art career, instead of taking all that energy and getting really clear on the calling and, and putting all that energy down on paper, down towards one goal, one big thing. I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time wasted worrying about whether I was really cut out to be one of these people. I can just stop you right there and I believe that if you got a brain, if you've got that going for you, you can do so much more than you could ever imagine. Whatever this goal is you have in your mind, you can do infinitely more than that. And so I really do believe that you, if you believe that you can do it, you're not going to spend all of that time wasted worrying about whether you're capable, procrastinating on a bunch of other stuff, second-guessing yourself. You really do need to believe that you can do it if you're going to come to the table and actually make this stuff. And so number five is believing. It sounds all nice and warm and happy, but actually I think there's some really reasonable, reasonable, that's the second time I've used that word, <laughs> reasonable, reasonable, reasonable uh, ideas surrounding number five. It's not all, you know, happy, fuzzy, warm stuff. It's actually just really, if you do believe it, you're going to be able to convince yourself to spend the time and energy working towards the thing. And if you don't believe it, you're never going to you're never going to just dip your toe into some really big challenge and just magically everything happens because it, when you don't believe, all you're willing to do is just test the waters, you know? So number 5 is believe. So you know, I got pretty passionate on this episode. I clearly believe pretty strongly about these things. And if you're going to relate having an art career to an epic hero's journey, you better have a reason why. And so here's my reason. Here's why I believe so strongly in this. This is why I pour so much time and energy into helping other people have a commercial art career and why I take my 
career um, as seriously as I do. So first of all, I believe that you owe it to the people around you to be your best, to make your best contribution, to be as valuable as you possibly can. And I believe that because I've seen what it's like to have a parent that really missed their thing as an artist, that really didn't find their calling, their path. They didn't really get on that, right? And it actually had a lot of detriment to, to, to me. Not only did uh, not finding those fulfilling uh, parts of their life by achieving things, they had to turn to cheaper thrills that actually ruined their life and had a dramatic impact on mine. I've seen friends and family, other friends and family, really miss this thing, really refuse the call and then live a smaller life. And, and really just affect me on a practical level. And so the people that you're responsible for, the people that you uh, do life with, you owe them being your best, living your most inspiring life to inspire them. Not to mention that thriving financially means that you can actually be part of the cure uh, to help other people. You know, the answer to poverty isn't that we all go into poverty. Like that that doesn't help anybody else. Like getting your mask on on the plane when the plane is crashing first is actually the best use of your energy. Then you can actually go ahead and help other people. So on a practical level, I think you owe it to say yes to the call, to to put your energy behind this thing and and really accept the challenge and 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 do your best. But then beyond that, I actually really believe in art. I believe in art's ability to communicate in ways that plain spoken words cannot. I believe that, you know, there has been so much art on this planet that has really helped me get through life in a thriving manner. There's so much art that has helped me really believe that I'm not alone. And, you know, life can be such a solitary endeavor. There's all these thoughts and feelings that we have that are stuck inside our own bodies. And art to me is this way of communicating these things in in such a way that we transfer those thoughts and feelings to other people and say, all those things, those experiences you had, they don't make you some weirdo that's lost and alone. Actually, I know what that feels like. And the power of just feeling a little bit of less, less alone is, is so worthy to give your life to. And not everybody should be an artist. We couldn't all be making art, but that, that, it's not everybody's journey to be an artist. But if it is yours, and if, even if you feel like a little inkling that says, yeah, I, th- I think it is mine, I, I, it's a worthy endeavor. I really, I really do believe that, that spending your life trying to create something that that communicates and co- brings us together and and gives us a more shared experience is is incredibly valuable because honestly life is hard life is can be lonely and scary and i hate to get so real here on the podcast you know i call myself andy j pizza i hate to get so 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 serious but i do believe that you know, art makes life worth living in so many ways. I get brought back to that Winston Churchill quote from uh, World War II where they said, you know, 
things are getting tough. We're going to have to cut the arts budget. And he says, well, what are we fighting for? And I really believe that that a life spent making things, although you can't eat art, you know, it doesn't give you shelter, right? It's not one of those basic fundamental things, but that's the beauty of it. It's, it's the human side, you know, spending a life to make things that are delightful for other people. What a worthy cause, what a human cause. It's one of the things that make us great. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. And I believe in it. And we need you to tell your story because there are people out there like you that feel very, very alone. And by creating these things, you start to create community. You start to create communication. And we all start to get closer. And so uh, I believe in these things. And that's why I spend all this time and energy on the podcast. That's why I, I try to help people as much as I can. All right, that's it. That's today's episode. Thank you guys so much for all of the iTunes reviews. Thank you for uh, all the encouragements that you send my way, all the good vibes that are sent out into the universe for the show. I really appreciate it. The show's grown massively recently, and it means so much to me. I'm just uh, super grateful. Thank you guys so much. You can find this show on illustrationage.com slash creative pep talk. You can find it on my site, andyj.pizza. You can find it all over the dang place, iTunes, SoundCloud. Go find it. Go enjoy the rest of the episodes. Thank you guys so much. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, Until the next time we speak, do whatever it takes to stay motivated, to stay excited about making stuff so that you can be disciplined and, and really achieve something significant with your art. Stay pepped up. 